Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I think when we lose schools or when schools aren't operating, there's a whole bunch of things that aren't being provided besides just the teaching side. And so I think the way that I'm thinking about COVID-19 is what does this mean for students and parents and communities when we don't have schools open? And I think the question of how to deliver online or remote teaching is a really important one and it's probably the biggest impact on schools themselves, but on the families and the communities, I think school closures have kind of a different impact. When people think of what schools do or what schools provide, they think of teaching and they think of teachers and students interacting. And maybe they think of some teachers standing in front of the classroom. Maybe they think of teachers providing more one-on-one or more customized you know, for different student needs. But the bottom line is that I think that's the service that we think that schools provide. And I think obviously schools provide that. But overall, I'd say there are five different services that schools provide. The five services that schools provide include teaching, but in addition to that material provision, I guess for lack of a better word, they provide materials for students. And that could be computers, iPads, it could be pencils, it could be calculators, whatever those materials are, schools are figuring out how to get those things in students' hands so that they can learn. So those are the first two. The third service is physical health services, and that's everything from meals to gym class, but also things like dental checkups. These are other things that are happening at schools and schools are providing them. The fourth service is emotional or counseling services. So this is everything related to mental well-being from counselors, providing some more traditional therapy, talk therapy type of service, but also teachers just having conversations with students about what's going on in their lives and understanding them as a whole person and not just how they're doing in their math homework. And then the last service that schools provide are parent services. And so these are services that are geared towards parents. And maybe it's something about technology or training parents how to better use technology themselves. You know, I can imagine that in the current crisis, parents are trying to figure out Google Classroom or things that maybe they haven't used before, right? So it could be that. And a lot of the changes around the Common Core recently have changed the way math education has, or math concepts have been provided. So sometimes it's teaching parents a new way to think about math so that they can better help their students or their children. And so those are really the five buckets that I think schools services schools provide. And I think I should just qualify that by saying it's not that schools are providing these, meaning that they're funded to provide these things. I think schools in general are funded only to provide the teaching service. But when it comes to the materials, the physical services, the counseling services, the parent services, those are things where schools are figuring out a way to provide them without funding themselves, meaning they're working with nonprofits or public agencies. So they're providing these things doesn't mean that they're being funded to do these things or that we're even recognizing that they're doing these things. But these are the things that schools do. Federal government has eligibility requirements for free and reduced lunch so students who families make a certain level. And schools, in some ways, are just a delivery point for this federal service. And I mean, obviously, outside of this, all schools provide lunch that students can pay for as well. Besides just being the delivery point for the national school meal program, schools also make sure students are eating. So I think that that means teachers making sure that students are eating 
healthily, being just aware of their meal. So for example, there's also a national breakfast program that many schools provide breakfast, but if students are late to school, they miss breakfast. And so um, I've talked to teachers that have snacks in their classroom for students who come late to school. The other thing that can happen is that they miss the lunch for whatever reason. There's also snacks that are provided in the afternoon. When I was a high school teacher, I had students that were diabetic and I always had snacks on hand to make sure that they were eating. So these are the types of things that I think of when I think of what schools do to make sure children are fed. It's not just that the federal government provides these free meals, it's that teachers are really tuned in to their students and making sure that they have aren't hungry in their classroom. And that can happen for a variety of reasons. Schools are very responsive to whatever the needs are in their particular communities. And they can find a nonprofit, find a public agency. They can find, they're just really like resourceful and figuring out a way to provide it when there's a need. But I think some of the common examples that I've seen are at least with physical health, I think there's the things that we hear more about, which are the meals and obviously athletics and gym class. But I think it's really what's more and more common in classrooms is the physical movement in the teacher's class. And that can be taking a break and stretching or integrating physical movement when students are actually learning core subjects. But I think one of the big things that's changed recently is there's more flexible seating in the classroom, meaning students are sitting in chairs that are mobile and can move around, or they're sitting on the floors and beanbags, or they're sitting on couches in the reading corner. And on Donors Choose, which is a website where teachers can get stuff for their classrooms, donations for things for their classroom, one of the most popular items is flexible seating in the classroom, like figuring out other ways for students to learn where they don't have to be so static. And then in terms of the mental health services, I think there's one model that is pretty powerful that I've seen is that there's nonprofit organizations that provide counselors to schools. So these are basically the nonprofit is the one with a bunch of counselors. And when I say counselors, I mean like talk therapy type counselors, not guidance counselors. And so these counselors will basically increase the school's capacity to meet with students one-on-one. -on -one. So teachers in a school, you can't afford a lot of counselors. Maybe you can have one or two and the ratio can be as big as like 500 students to one counselor. But if you partner with a nonprofit, then you might be able to reduce that ratio to have one counselor to 50 students, right? Or even fewer. So those types of models are really powerful for meeting all the students' individual needs. Because I think probably no matter what school you go to, I see this even with my students at U of M, they all want one-on-one -on -one attention. And so the more that schools can work with nonprofits or other agencies to provide that and have those conversations, I think is a really effective model. What the schools provide are typically the gap in what's provided at home. Now, that doesn't mean that only low-income schools can provide, like there's only gaps in low-income schools. I think that all schools will be able to identify things that are missing. Those are the types of services that schools, it's more reactive. So schools are listening to parents, they're watching students, they're listening to students and what can talk about what they need and then they're filling in the gaps and so one day it might be pencils and calculators well, there's lots of schools with every student gets an ipad or every student gets a computer and then i think that there's other cases where it's more about counseling 
or more about integrating physical movement into the classroom or expanding physical activities throughout the day. And so I think is true regardless of the type of school that you might be walking into. They're the ones that are listening to their, you know, they're providing a service and they want to meet the needs of the people that are coming to their school. And so they're the place and probably, I mean, I believe probably the only place in the community where those needs are communicated and people take action. Like the teachers and the principals are the ones that take action to figure out how to meet these needs. And so when schools are closed, it's kind of as if the community has lost their problem solver. So I like to think of schools as problem solvers and that they are providing this service that's really customized to their own community and their own parents and students. It's not just teaching. And even though all the students might be learning the same type of math or the same reading the same novel, all the other services that schools are providing are very, very different. And I think that that's the piece that maybe we can reflect on a little bit with schools when schools are closed and what that means for communities. The channel that's missing right now is the parents and the students asking for what they need or being able to share what it is they need right now. And that I'm sure is probably meals and technology so they can continue learning are one of or some of the things that they need, but probably not the only thing. And that might look very, very different neighborhood in Chicago and a neighborhood in rural Mississippi, right? These are just two different communities, of course. And even I've seen in my research, two schools that are right next to each other in Chicago in the same neighborhood have very different needs for their students. And so I think my advice would be for schools to create a platform for parents and students to talk about what they need now. And maybe it's pencils, maybe it's notebooks, maybe it's something else. And basically let schools continue to do the work that they've done as problem solving and trying to figure out those things. And I know that that's already happening a little bit, but I think more of that and understanding how schools are responsive and not just proactive. They're, you know, they're responsive to what needs are being requested. Making sure that there's a communication channel for that seems really important right now. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.